now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. It is the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Jared Sandler joining us now from the Rangers Radio Network. And Jared, it, how great was it to see that that place Minute Made those fans after that deflating that four nothing deficit they faced and then to to look at the cameras as they panned around i know you were doing radio and doing all that but still you were looking up at the monitors you were in the ballpark you saw it is there any other is there any better feeling than seeing astros fans that silent and that just demoralized no and you know what's cool about it is when you have that sort of feeling in general but then you know that you know there are people out there who are maybe not on your side. You sort of want, gosh, am I a bad guy for wanting this? But the reality is there's no one outside of Houston uh, or that area rooting for the Astros. And if there is anyone or a group of people, they're in the heavy minority. It's always cool when it feels like the baseball world is, is behind you. Uh, but, yeah, I'll tell you, Minimid Park has been a pretty loud environment over the years. It was an awfully quiet venue yesterday. It was loud on whatever the first Sunday. It was loud Sunday night. But it it was pretty quiet yesterday for the first four or five innings. And, uh, yeah, I think there's something extra extra fun about walking out of that that building with a 2-0 lead against that team, that city, and and that organization. Yeah, and Evaldi, what he did, uh, remarkable stuff. And then to pitch out of that jam, no outs. Uh, bases loaded situation. They get their catcher out of there because he can't hit, and they knew he would strike out in that situation, and they strike out anyway. But for Evaldi to calm down and and uh, and just elevate his stuff and get even better, some only a few pitchers can do that. Pitch a lot better with people on the base paths. Uh, I, I what a what an awesome moment that was because that was another complete silencer type deal. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a game changer. You know, Josh Young, who's been so good defensively and made a, a tremendous play earlier in the game, mm-hmm. taking a double away from Chaz McCormick, was unable to play that little bouncer that was hit his way, and now all of a sudden you're backed into a corner. And you're right, I, you know, there are pitchers in that situation who, you know, they're just they're going to crumble. It, it, it's all uh, – they're backed into a corner. And I think what was so – it, you know, important with that situation is if if one of those guys reaches, and let's just say one of those guys walks, which only brings across one run. Well, now you got to face Kyle Tucker, and then you got to face Jordan Alvarez, and it's just it, you were at a, a part of the order where it wasn't going to be easy. And you know, with Yiner Diaz, Nathan Avaldi pitched with great IQ because Yiner Diaz doesn't take pitches; he's got this ridiculous chase rate. And so he played to that. He didn't give him anything really good to hit. And then with Jose Altuve, it was about execution because Altuve is a very good high ball hitter, but he also is susceptible to chasing above the zone. And so you kind of walk a fine line with that. And Nathan Avaldi was able to execute the pitches where he needed to get the strikeout. And then, you know, once you get to that spot, you can't take your foot off the pedal, but now any out gets you out of the inning unscathed. And he was able to get that ground ball to Bregman. I mean, this team is remarkable in, in winning all these road games, 
you know the numbers, Jared. I mean, it's kind of wild. I think the Yankees, one of those years, had like eight straight maybe. Rangers now sitting at six. The White Sox did it in 2005. Uh, it's just some some kind of reset happened when they went to Tampa Bay. They function well. I think they kind of enjoy the environment, being together on the road. And now they got to kind of bottle that up and bring it home. And, the you know, Houston's obviously functioned pretty well as of late at, at the Globe. But this is a different Rangers team than they faced. But still, they, they probably have some okay vibes as they think about, okay, how do we climb – back in this thing, because all they got to do is win this next game, right? And then it plants a little seed of doubt and all that. Rangers win game three. I mean, it really feels like there's no shot. There's no returning from that. Yeah, no, I know. I, obviously, I think there'll be uh, Yankees-Red Sox uh, dreams for some folks uh, mm-hmm. or nightmares, perhaps, depending on your allegiance, if the Rangers win game three. But it there's a reason that just almost never happens. It is very tough to go and, and beat a team, especially when you get to this, this round, uh, you're one of the, the final four teams left. You know, these are really good teams and to, to win a game or win four straight is tough. You're right though. Winning game three, you know, all of a sudden the Astros feel good. And not only did they win six of seven in Arlington, but they were uh, 21 games over 500 on the road this year. I mean, they were an unreal road team the Rangers were outstanding at home. So, you know, in that respect, something's got to give, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. This is a a team that's had a lot of success from the Rangers side. If you want to, you know, kind of look at it through their lens, what you said is also correct. It's a very different team. You know, the last time the Astros came to town, Nathan Avaldi was kind of in rehab mode. Uh, Max Scherzer was on his way to uh, the injury that knocked him out for a month. Josh Young wasn't around. Adolis Garcia was really struggling. It's just a, a different group. But, you know, at the same time, the Astros have had a lot of success in this ballpark. So, uh, you know, it, it, the Rangers have a long way to go. And it, it has felt so weird, Matt. The Rangers have played one home game this postseason. We are getting ready for game three of the ALCS. And the Rangers have played just one home game. It's just, it's kind of odd. It's an odd feeling, but, uh, yeah, great start to this series, but still a long way to go. All right, are you doing your three things today on an off day? I, I like uh, I like these various things you bring out, a little video you'll do before games. I really, I mean, I, obviously you're not taking a break today because you're probably doing, in addition to, I think I saw you uh, listed. Today you were on um, 105.3, and I think A-Rod was after you. And then Jerry Jones. Now that's a killer lineup: Sandler, yeah. A. Rod, and Jerry. You know, I I had to compete as you did back in the day against one hundred five three. So I still don't love giving other stations a lot of credit. But man, that's a that's a pretty good one right there. Well, I, I'm the opener in that that no one shows up for. Uh, you know, they find out at what time's A-Rod going on. I'll be there for that. But, uh, yeah, you know, heading out to the ballpark right now, we got uh, the team as a workout. We're going to hear Max Scherzer speak. And, mm. uh, you know, that's obviously a, a big topic of conversation. I'm not doing any uh, any videos. At least I hadn't planned on it. I might do a Matt Mosley special now once we get to the ballpark. But we'll definitely have one tomorrow discussing Max Scherzer's return to the mound because that's uh, – it's really interesting. I don't know what to expect. I, I 
it could go a lot of different ways, obviously. It's not totally apples to apples to Nathan Avaldi's return when he struggled through what was a quasi-rehab assignment while at the major league level. Max Scherzer's thrown a little bit more than Nathan Avaldi had when he had returned, but it's still a, a, it's kind of a, a crapshoot, and it's something that mm-hmm. you do for a guy like Max Scherzer. You know, you got a Hall of Fame pitcher, and he's ready to pitch. You're going to throw him, and you're going to mm-hmm. live and die with the results. But uh, it's never easy to, to take the mound when you've missed about a month due to injury. It's a little different. You know, J.P. France yesterday pitched well. He hadn't pitched in September 23rd. That's almost a month, but not because of injury, uh, because he was taken out of the rotation, hadn't been effective. Max Scherzer hasn't pitched because of injury, uh, but he's put in a whole lot of work to try and get ready and get back to this point. So uh, curious to hear what he has to say today and curious to see how it goes tomorrow night. Jared Sandler, uh, Texas Rangers Radio Network on the Matt Mosley Show ESPN Central Texas, and I was, I was wanting to talk to you about your expectations. It's hard to know what to expect, and it's weird to think that starting Max Scherzer feels a little risky, right? I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Fame, uh, you know, first ballot guy, and you're saying, well, this is a little, I mean, you know, do they really need to do this? And obviously, if he's ready to go, you're going to do it. But now, how is it 70 pitches? That's kind of the what I keep reading, and maybe Bochi has sort of indicated that, um, and, and Max, knowing him, probably has a different uh, level in his mind. But what do you think the the Rangers sort of, like if, if they could get him to 70, do you think they'll start thinking about getting him out of that game? Yeah, I, I, I think so. That seems like a, a good number based on the circumstances. It might even be a little bit less, you know, depending on how he's doing. The, the Rangers are not – this is not a, hey, we're up 2-0. If we give away game three, then so be it type approach. You know, if Max Scherzer is uh, laboring through two innings, then it might be two innings. Uh, but I would say this is silly. They shouldn't do it. And there might be people out there that say this is the greatest thing in the world and then people in between. I'm going to go ahead and say from my standpoint, no matter how it plays out, I think this is the right decision to do this. Uh, it it – hopefully can give your bullpen uh, a little bit more uh, wiggle room and make guys available for a variety of roles when you now begin this three-game and three-day stretch. You're also doing it strategically after an off day, so you have a fresh and rested bullpen uh, if needed. And, you know, with, with Max, at the end of the day, I'll take my chance with this. You know, John, John Gray's not – they're not choosing Max over John Gray. John Gray is not ready to even give you – four innings. He's a guy, maybe one or two innings right now. Uh, and now it allows you tomorrow to then piggyback Dunning and Heaney and have those two ready or tomorrow, uh, game four, depending on the, the circumstance. So I, I think the decision is, is the one that I would make if given the, the power to make those decisions, which we all know, thankfully, I don't have that power. I don't know how it's going to work out. Uh, and it could be a one, one and a half times through the order thing. It could be a 60, 70 pitch thing. Uh, and then obviously Max's performance is going to kind of dictate that as well. And, uh, you know, the one thing I, I'd, I'd say about Max, and I'm curious what he says here in about an hour when he talks, but I imagine that this month off has also allowed him some time to reflect on how he had been pitching leading up to the injury. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that he's made some adjustments. It's now just whether his body is able to execute them in that sort of environment. Yeah. 
He's great to have in the clubhouse, isn't he, for some of those reasons, what he's done in the past, just his presence. You see him over there, and you know those young guys are learning from him, and it's almost like icing on the cake, right, to get actually, oh, wait, he's going to start a game in this series. And so, uh, boy, his presence, and, of course, his presence on the mound, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how that uh, all plays out. This uh, bullpen is, uh, speaking of fascinating, Spores, I mean, I, I can remember having you on, and the thought was, will we ever see him again in a Rangers uniform? I mean, maybe you didn't think that. There were some people who thought kind of Spores maybe be effective down the road. I think some people were like, I hope we never have to see the guy on the mound again. And not only is he on the mound, like he's one of the best pitchers in the postseason. Like he just he's steady as a rock. And his stuff is so good. I mean, isn't that amazing how timing can be and how a guy can be going so poorly and then find it. And now now this bullpen, you just can't really – I mean, they keep bringing up all the blown saves. And, yeah, some of those same guys are out there. But it's like you, you kind of have to, in your mind, do an adjustment. Uh, but Spores is, is pretty remarkable, his turnaround. Yeah, and, you know, for the first three months, he was one of the five best relievers in baseball. If you just looked at the numbers, obviously, name recognition, no one was going to say Josh Spore is one of the five best relievers. But if, if they all had, you know, reliever one, reliever two, reliever three, and you just looked at the numbers, uh, you couldn't exclude him from that conversation. And then it just went totally south. And then he got on the IL, came back, was really good for about two weeks, and then it went south again. And he said that his hamstring kept acting up and ankle and it kind of compounded and he just wasn't fully right mechanically because of that. And maybe that's true because he's come back and he looks dominant again. And, you know, there are guys who one night they look dominant, the next night they don't, the next night they do, then the next two they don't, and the next two they do. But, like, there was no in-between. It was three months of dominance, two and a half, three weeks of the contrary two weeks of dominance, and then two to three weeks of the contrary. And now he's back, uh, you know, riding high. He's been huge for this team. He not only just in general is a high-leverage reliever, but, you know, he this team needed a, a guy from the right side who could join Jose LeClerc as someone who can get you big outs. And not only can he do that, he can do that by getting swings and misses. And it, it's been unreal. You know, five, five games, four and a third innings, no runs, no hits. This guy has been huge. Uh, so is Jose LeClerc. And the role Chapman, it hasn't been pretty. He's gotten the job done for the most part. Uh, but, you know, the thing with this this three-game stretch that's coming up, three games, three days, at some point the Rangers are going to have to go outside that three-man bubble. And that's when it's going to get interesting uh, in those high-leverage, middle relief to late-inning spots when you got to go outside those three. Uh, it's likely going to happen. Uh, but for now, those three have done a really nice job, and Josh Spore is kind of setting the tone as the first one out of the pen uh, has, has been outstanding. Does every ball at Minute Maid look like it's leaving the park to you? Yeah. Is it like that building or something? Like why? And, of course, the crowd reacts to everything, and thank goodness, um, well, some of them escaped, but a lot of those balls died at the warning track. Is it just something about the way that thing looks, or is it the postseason that that it, you know makes these heightened reactions to every ball hit out there. 
It's both. Everything out to left, I think, is going to be a home run because of how short it is there. Anything <laughs> off of Jordan Alvarez is bad. I think it's going to be a home run. He could hit a ground ball, and I'm still not convinced it's not going to turn into a home run. Uh, but, yeah, no, and it definitely felt that way in the ninth inning with the drive out to right uh, for the first down and then Altuve's fly ball to center. Uh, you know, you, I, I was down with, with Emily Jones in the tunnel waiting to do a post-game interview on the field, and so we couldn't actually see it. We're taking our cues from the crowd, and the crowd erupted on both of those. And then looking at the replay, I, I think Jose LeClerc thought Altuve's ball was maybe going to go. But, you know, thankfully balls to dead center at mid-may. They don't get out a ton. Uh, but any pop-up to left field could get out, and uh, Alex Bregman certainly loves to take advantage of those. All right, is Emily okay to negotiate with when y'all are deciding which players are going to get on? I mean, will she work with you a little bit, or does she kind of <laughs> drop the whole TV attitude on you a little bit? No, well, she's listen. She's the, the queen. She's got tenure, but this is all decided by Major League Baseball. It, it's a, it's it's a pretty. I don't know. Chaotic's not the the right word, but you know they got all the rights holders. They got to make sure ESPN's taken care of, MLB Network's taken care of, mm. Fox is taken care of, and then Emily and I are in the mix as well. You know, on the TV and radio side. But there's a guy, Chuck Torres, who basically plays a band director, and he he tells us, uh, you know, you're going to get this guy, and you're going to be after Fox, or you're going to get this guy in your first up, and. Uh, they, uh, you know, they major league baseball along with John Blake and Rich Rice help make sure everything gets taken care of. So thankfully no negotiating with Emily. Uh, we all know that I would not win that negotiation. I want you to put on one of those Verducci type suits. All right. And, uh, and, re- and when I see you on TV, uh, doing one of those interviews as Fox is panning around, I want to see you with one of those beautiful suits on because boy, Verducci is down there in that dugout. And I, I don't know who you would compare him to, Branch Rickey or one of the old uh, GMs or something, but, I mean, my goodness, he's really, really got quite a look. So, I, I don't uh, – you're more of a three-quarter zip, aren't you? You like a good pullover? <laughs> I love – you got it. I am a big, uh, big pullover guy, pullover and polo. I just – I don't have Tom Verducci's hair. I, I, can't, I can't pull off the Tom Verducci without that hair. He's like 60 years older or like 65 years old or something. He looks like he's 40. It's, it's not really fair, to be honest with you. Yeah, he may be doing something. He may be taking something. And if, <laughs> if you talk to him, ask him what it is, because I'd like to get a hold yeah. of some of it. And, and, uh, and do Well, Jared, have a good time out there. Tell Max we said hey, and always love having you on, and you're doing a great job. You're, you're getting under the skin of some of these Astros fans, and I know that's not what you're trying to do, but I kind of loved it. One of my Astros buddies from Houston said, who is this Sandler guy? I said, well, he's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, and, I mean, like, didn't even know we were friends. So somehow your your social media and your stature is getting under the skin of random Astros fans. So I like that. Oh, I hate to hear it. That's, uh, that's a tough break for them, but we're going to enjoy the <laughs> All right. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. See ya. All right, there he goes. Jared Sandler on the scene out there with the Rangers at the, at the Globe. And uh, as we prepare for game three of the ALCS, kind of feels like it's over, but it's not. 